0: No, that's what I said, you'll see, it's a it's a joke, after all, everything is good. There's nothing to be interested in things and find them The time has come. Catherine Bigelow!
1: This and some of the other nice things that have happened to me in the last couple of days may turn me into some sort of hopeful optimist and ruin my whole life.
2: Spoil! <laughs> Did he spoil me?
0: I remember quite clearly it was 1946 when I was four years old. My mother took me to see King Vidor's Duel in the Sun.
2: Al film Italiano
1: Deserto Rosso di Michelangelo. Michelangelo
3: Antonioni.
1: All I know is that first you've got to get mad. You've got to say I'm a human being. God damn it! My
3: life has value. It's just that all men are sure it never happened to them, and most women at one time or another have done it, so you do the math.
1: Three artists in the presentation of the Palme d'Or. Adele, Lea, and Abdel, I think they're here.
2: For all of this, Greece wants my life. I'll give it. Hi everybody, welcome to the Filmotomy podcast, this is episode 31, I'm your host, uh, B Garner, and um, I'm joined here today by some lovely people, Uh, so can I get some introductions please, who wants to go first? What's your name?
3: Uh, uh, Aladdin. Uh, Aladdin! Hello
2: Aladdin, nice
1: to have you on the show. Can we call you Al, or maybe just Din? How about Ladi? Sounds like, here boy, come on Ladi! Hello everyone, I'm... Jonathan Holmes, and you can find me at Twitter uh, at Mr. Brown underscore twenty three.
0: Hold on, what is that? This is
3: disgust. Hi, hi guys. Uh, I'm. This is Rob MottO. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rob underscore MottO. That's M O T T O. It's a girl. I know it's a. Uh, hi,
0: I'm, uh, Daniel Smith-Rousey, uh, I teach some film classes and communications classes, yeah, and on Twitter I'm at S-M-I-T-H-R-O-W-S-E-Y, that's Smith-Rousey.
2: The Muffin Man. The Muffin Man. The Muffin Man. Great. Well, um, today we're sort of doing something a little bit different, uh, but today I thought, well, it's actually kind of funny, I've been away for a week and I've been visiting family, uh... And uh, I've got two younger cousins, um, and they're they're really sweet. I love them, to be serious. But that means I've been spending a whole week watching animated films. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially as the weather's not been too great, so we haven't been going outdoors much. Yeah, I actually quite like animated films, but I know that somebody here has a real issue with them. (laughs) And... (laughs) Um, I wonder who that could be. Yeah. Mm. Well, actually, Rob, are you able to sort of explain to us?
3: I think it's fair to start with that. That I sort of, <clears throat> I sort of champion the auteur theory and a lot of, frankly, um, visual, visually um, arresting kind of movies and animated movies in general are, uh, I feel like, made for kids or are, are just in a visual way less impressive and less meaningful. Um right. I've okay. just never been taken over by an animated movie the way I've been taken you know what I'm saying and so um certainly as a child I have my favorites of animated movies um and even a more adult themed animated movies I appreciate but um I feel like filmmaking is about filming you know it's about capturing you know these sort of true emotions of like the human face and I mean it's just sort of an old school like point of view but an, you know animated movies that try something different or do have a perspective, um, and even things that are very popular like Inside Out uh, that came out a couple years ago. I mean, I was I was bawling by the end of that movie, you know, just because it was so um, so moving. So uh, you know, I, I certainly um, there are exceptions to that, but in general, they just don't grab me in the visually in the way that, that uh, a lot of other movies, you know, uh, live action movies do.
2: That's quite interesting you say that because I often find that I with animated films I don't know I can see that it's acting what's happening with live with live action films there's something about the animated film and the the fact that the work has gone into that and the animation that's gone into creating that world feels more like a a labour of love than anything else to me. And yeah. when people say that animated films are just for kids, I can't help but say, well, there are certain films that will upset you and have an effect on you, you know, regardless of whether you're a huge fan of animation or not. And one that springs mm-hmm. to mind is one of my favourite all-time films is uh, The Grave of the Fireflies which is mm. so deeply moving that I've only watched it the once and I can't watch it again because I know <laughs> the, the, the rea- reaction that I I've would have to watching that film but does anyone else here feel the same way in terms of Rob's viewpoint is, or...
0: I, I guess I wonder, I, I'd love to ask Rob and you, B and, and Jonathan, if, if maybe Rob's take is sort of societally conditioned, and by that I mean, mm. do we think of animated films as for kids because we learned them as something for kids? And I guess the way we would test that is we go to an Aboriginal tribe, you know, they've never seen any movies or TV mm. shows at all, ever, and we show them whatever Wally and 2001: A Space Odyssey side by side, and say, does one of these seem really stupid and immature and, and childish, uh, or do they kind of seem the same, or you know, that kind of thing? You know, or uh, right. or maybe it wouldn't be a good test. I mean, I guess I'm wondering, Rob, if you think that your take is kind of conditioned by growing up with them, or do you not think, or you think that it's just inherent to the
3: medium? It blows my mind that these movies were made in the 40s and 50, and some of them the 30s, I mean, Peter Pan. So, I mean, it, it's amazing, the, the storytelling. You know, things that I love, I could say, I, I, let's rewatch that because I loved it as a kid. But I, I think I agree with you. I think that I am, I've been conditioned to sort of think of them as kids' movies, even if Pixar has sort of moved away from that a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. with Up, uh, with Wally, with certain, you know, these certain types of movies that there is a little something there for the adult. There is something to grab onto. Um, it's not just sort of this animated feature for kids.
2: Uh, and what about yourself, Jonathan? How do you feel about that? Do you agree that perhaps uh, we have all been conditioned to believing that animated f- films are just for children?
1: Well, of course, yes, I've always believed that kid, animated films when I was a kid when I was younger, oh these these are just simply just tailor-made for someone like me. Mm. And usually as i as I've grown older and as my taste, Jared. I realize a lot of the movies I liked, some of the movies I liked that were animated films, really had a lot more going on for them than just trying to entertain kids. And and I feel like w- w- with animated films, yes, they these movies can be made for adults, and they can they can be made for adults. But it depends on really what kind of story what kind of story the filmmakers want to tell, and how do they tell it. Like up, uh, for example, which is perhaps my f- my personal favorite Pixar film, which is which has to deal with uh, the, the the idea of death and moving on and getting older. And one of the things I loved throughout the film is Ed, the old man, is carrying the uh, house that he that he and L yeah, lived in, yeah. and that that was kind of I think that was a metaphor for him carrying not being sure. able to let go of his of his deceased wife again him car- carrying the house and the balloons with him is just a is just a, a final testament to the relationship they've had and how he's still carrying that baggage with him and i thought that's sure. very very profound and moving Especially right, it the would end. be
0: harder to do that in a in a live action. I mean, you oh, could, yeah. but it would look sillier. Yeah,
1: because with animation, you you can you can play fast and loose as much as you want. Which brings mm-hmm. me to my next point, which is um, how much does real life come into play when with with an animated film? Because mm-hmm. you can play as fast and loose as much as you want, because there's there's just different rules between live action and animation. But uh, when we But there has to be some level of uh, reality that that cuts into the fantasy, or that cuts into this giant, you know, sandbox that the filmmakers are playing with. And otherwise, you know, why should I care? Why should the audience care?
2: Yeah, I I think as well as these stories often are very they have morals to to them about. Um, friendship and you know being true to yourself and they're a positive message to to, to give across especially when you are young and it, certain films help we, you said about up and dealing with death but the first one that springs to mind when someone says children film and, and death is um, Bambi Bambi yeah and, yep. and how, how do you describe death to a child you know, in in a way that they're going to be able to understand. Well, you can't explain mm. it to them, talking to them as an adult. That's what animated films do so well, is they sort of tell it, tell these grand themes of life in a way that's simple for children to digest. And I, I think that, that I remember Fox and the Hound mm. uh, and the <laughs> tale of... I actually realize now that that story is a lot more to do with racism Mm -hmm. than anything else. Well, they're
3: the same species, like a fox and a dog are part of the (laughs) same species, I mean. Well,
2: well, yes, they're sort of separated because Mm -hmm. the the fox is seen as vermin and uh, outsider Hmm. and the dog is responsible to get rid of it, but when you Look at it. It is a sort of a metaphor for for race, and I think mm-hmm. how do you explain racism to a child? Well, you know, in a way that they're going to fully understand, and how to tell them on, to look to look inside people and judge them by who they are as a person, rather than uh, you know what they what? look like.
1: It's a lot easier to put the Zootopia DVD in the player. Actually, that's another movie that that, (laughs) it's funny that you mentioned and it talks about racism. I thought Zootopia did the exact Hmm. same thing about how it talks about race relations and gender. That movie being a lot smarter being a lot smarter than just than what it looks like on the surface, yeah. than just yeah. talking animals.
0: Well, it's interesting because Zootopia uh, was a sort of a recovery of Song of the South because you have rare <laughs> fox, rare yes. rabbit. And by the way, that fox and Fox and the Hound is not an accident, but I think Zootopia was, you know, Disney would never admit to this publicly, but they knew what they had, how they'd screwed up Song of the South, and so it's <laughs> like, yeah, here's Br'er Fox and Br'er Rabbit in a very different story that is not going to, uh, you know, be a stain on Disney's reputation for the next century. It happened on one of them
1: zippity-doo-dah days.
0: I mean, if you go back and read the original sort of Uncle Remus tales, you can see what Zootopia took from this. It was sort of a fascinating little thing. But anyway, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I think our conversation should be much larger than that, although I think that's a great, I'm, I'm glad that, yeah, Fox and the Hound, that's, that's a great point to bring up.
1: When I was a kid, uh, I think it was about like about six or seven, and I was going to daycare, they actually played uh, segments of Song of the South. They actually had it on oh, no. videotape. Uh, <laughs> how? I, didn't, I don't I, think
2: I've I, ever I, I don't seen know. it on videotape. Think, how did they
1: No, no. It? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, I think they just had it like at, at, as a clip that uh, they packaged with other films, right. like, other, their other Disney movies. And they played, you know, zippity doo That's pretty yeah. much what I know about that movie from from yeah, some that's stuff. Wants to do song <laughs> and the yes. animation with for, with uh, the rabbit and all those guys. And it's just
3: I don't know. Well, what's I mean, it? there's a couple. Yeah, there's a couple right. of examples there, like Dumbo. I mean, Dumbo is ridiculously, uh, let's just say, discriminatory <laughs> because well, of when of it was made. Bro, yeah. And the yeah. Jungle Book, everybody forgets about the Jungle Book, that um, what happens at the end? I took it as like, oh, is that is that like subtle Disney racism there? Is that what I'm picking up Sorry. So I don't know. I, that looking... always smacked really odd to me.
2: Well, are we right. looking back at those as adults now? Uh, and as children, we didn't pick up on that message. Because I always thought that when they meant his own kind, they meant like man, as in general man. Mankind. Right,
3: but these animals have human characteristics, and that's like, um, where what what's being said here? And am I being too sensitive? You know what I'm saying? Because I, I right. you know, that's a, that's also a possibility. But
0: no, Peter Pan is a nightmare. Yeah.
3: But I think
0: I feel like we should. I, mean, I don't know. I'm more interested in animation in general. But I think yeah. these are interesting issues. Anyway, I mean, I. I wanted to respond to what Rob said about auteur theory. I sometimes think that maybe one reason that animation kind of gets, you know, like it's never going to appear in a best picture lineup again, for example, and one reason it's sort of a critical, like, who cares, is uh, that, yeah, I think critics need a director and, and actors, like, visibly, I think. I, I, I don't know. I mean, let me ask you guys if I'm right or wrong about this. I feel like when they see that animation is done by committee and they see that even the performance of a of whoever you want to name i mean like let's just take uh the judy hopps character played by sort voiced by jennifer goodwin in in zootopia i mean i that's just a random example but like she's jennifer goodwin is only like a small part of that character if you watch the credits there's like 10 other people that might have had just as much to do with kind of creating her making her move so it's sort of like I sometimes wonder if the critics, you know, are kind of like Rob in the sense of they're more into auteurs and actors and directors. So they, since they can't attach themselves to that, they go, "Eh, this was made by committee. This is all too fat. You know, it's the, the the product is compromised because it's made to appeal to the lowest common denominator in a group of ten people who made it or who were responsible for each choice, It's too perfect. I mean, I don't know. Is that something or is that not something? My
3: brain is applauding right now. I'll be quiet now. Okay.
1: <laughs> it's time to face facts. We have to take him to the doctor. <laughs> no,
2: I, I agree. Uh, I've never really thought of it like that, but now that you've said it, it almost makes perfect sense. You know, it's and it's a shame, really, because all of film is a collaborative, um, right? You know, uh, action and and the director is just the guy at the. Well, he's not really at the top at all. Often a
0: guy.
2: Yeah, often a guy. <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah.
0: Rarely um, a woman. Go ahead. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, but exactly. Um, and I, I feel like not enough people realise that it film is a collaborative. You know. Right. Uh, action. Everybody is involved in it from you know the runner way down at the bottom to the director at the top. And there's so many people, and they almost get swallowed up as just uh, the collective. And, you know, you see their names at the end of the credits.
3: Names just, on a screen, yep. yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> if you stick around to see the uh, the end credits, <laughs> credits. scene. <laughs> but you're like, it, it feels... Just, I think that's because the animation is a lot more uh, technical, and, and more work goes into it, mm-hmm. that it might... I mean, you often see from the studio that brought you this, and you know, from the team that brought you that, um, advertise. You know, I feel quite sad actually when you say it like that. But uh, I, Inside Out, is a perfect example of a film that, it to me, is the best picture. You know, that oh, yeah. came out in in that year. They get lost and forgotten about or ignored basically by mm-hmm. the academy. And whether we say. You know whether it's a mixture of the fact that animated kids are supposedly just for cho- you know animated mm-hmm. kids are just supposedly for children, uh, and whether the academy just see it as a team effort. You know I think it's it's well, kind of ugh, I don't know it's frustrating.
3: That's what I was Well, to I do. Yeah, I do want to point out a few titles that are actually not for kids. Um, to, uh, Richard Linklater came out with two titles um in the 2000s that i was a big fan of uh one is called waking life and the, right. which is like stars one of his leads from dace and confused um i'm trying to think of the guy's name i think it's wiley wiggins but he he's in that and it's he sort goes through this sort of phil- philosophical dream mm-hmm. dream state where it's completely like animated in this weird like it looks like something's being filmed, but basically there's this filter over it that makes it animated, and it's really fascinating to watch. Um, and then he did A Scanner Darkly with uh, Keanu Reeves and Robert Downey Jr. and Winona Ryder, and that was kind of a similar style, and that was super interesting. Again, both of these movies probably aren't for kids, just <laughs> just throwing that out there. Um, so, I mean, there is definitely, uh, you know, examples that come out every, mm-hmm. every year, every couple of years that um, are just different and creative and um, i you know i certainly applaud that but um,
2: well um, i was just wondering that the since shrek i think it's mm-hmm. been more of a aim sort of uh, aim for animated films to to have those adult in jokes um, right yeah order- lord
3: lord farquad <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: Well, I was thinking, like, even when I was watching Shrek back in 2001, I was 11, there were some jokes that went above my head completely. Um, Yeah. Like, my my favourite one is obviously when he's in the bed and he clearly gets, uh, you know, a bit excited and has to pull up the (laughs) sheets to hide, you know. And for a child, you just don't realise that. You're just like oh, this is a boring bit. When are they going to get back to Shrek, Donkey, and Fiona? But as an adult, you just go, wait a second. I wonder whether there is more adult jokes now in animated films than there has uh, been before.
1: I really wish there was less, because well, when Shrek did it, that was kind of kind of new. It was, uh oh, wait, wait, double take. That just happened in a kid's <laughs> film? And that was kind of refreshing, because it's like, oh, okay, it has a sense of humor that that it's not just pandering to kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, adults can be in on the joke, can be in on the fun, too. And I feel like post-Shrek and Shrek 2, especially with DreamWorks, made that their staple Mm. through a lot of their movies, like Shark Tale and Monsters vs. Aliens and all that stuff. It's like, (laughs) you know why it was fun for a while? Now it's just like, okay, it's it's just kind of pandering. It's just cheap. It's very just kind of lazy, and it's just it's it, it just kind of starts to just annoy the hell out of me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, you can only um, have a cer- certain butt joke recycled. Yeah. You know, a few times before it really begins
1: to get annoying. loses its st- it loses its luster. Yeah.
3: guys you're overreacting actually one of my favorite animated films to this day that i actually watch once a year um so it came out in 1994 it's batman the animated series uh they released batman mask of the phantasm which Mm. has some really adult themes in it like not unrequited love but like certainly unable to save the person you love and that that has to be okay in the end you know it's just like wow like i was five when i saw this and i it actually still makes me cry at the very end so it's like you know i'm i'm a contradiction in that you know there's an animated cartoon that i'm very moved by so you know there's an example of where it's like uh that really doesn't add up for what you're saying
2: (laughs) i'm not laughing about the fact that you're you're crying over no i am just laughing at the fact that you're, you're calling yourself a contradiction in case anyone thinks i'm just evil uh just laugh yeah people
3: yeah
2: <laughs> what about you daniel do you feel that maybe you do know, like jonathan was saying there's a bit too much adult humor in
0: no i don't it doesn't bother me i feel like i mean animation as a general thing in this century i think you can make a case that that those movies are the truest to what hollywood was when it started i'm talking about the <laughs> 20s and the 30s. Yeah. I'm talking about comedy plus action, you know, because mm-hmm. you watch an old Chaplin or a Keaton film, you're going to be surprised. At how, I, you're, you're expecting jokes, and you're also expecting the jokes aren't going to be very funny. They are funny. but you're probably not expecting crazy action scenes like cars driving off cliffs. That's what you get, you know, and that's the thing is that, and, and you know, some family values. I mean, those movies were all, you know middle of the road um you know they were trying to appeal to you know the american family and the world family i think um really i mean as as a as a group of films there's always going to be exceptions like waltz with bashir or persepolis films i love as a group i think animated films are um are 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 the the clearest heirs to that because i think in other ways, you know, action films are on their own, weird, trying to franchise themselves. Um, and comedy is just different. I mean, comedy doesn't usually... I mean, there's a few set-piece scenes, but I think that when they were making films in the 20s and 30s, they did have adults in mind. They did make little adult in-jokes. I mean, my kid still laughs at these Warner Brothers cartoons. You want
2: a piece of those Pops? Come and get it! Uh, animated films are a good way for... Us to see sort of the way society is at the time uh, and the moral values that society has. Right. Um, agree uh, I think a lot of what we we think of in terms of animated films are the Disney films, and those are fa- based on fairy tales. Now, sure. Those fairy tales, the the whole concept of a fairy tale is to tell a moral. Now that we have obviously Aurora, we have Elsa, we have you know Ariel. But before, it was just known as the princess, you know, the prince and the princess. And they really were sort of left nameless. The Wicked Witch always gets her sort of her comeuppance, you know. And and those have, were values that obviously Disney took from those stories uh-huh. and put into, you know, his films. So you do have, like, you know, Snow White is very still stuck in that traditional role of the woman, uh, you know, washing and, and looking after uh-huh. the seven dwarfs. And now looking back on that, that seems incredibly dated. But those stories still have a, a message to them. You know, Snow White is still a good person because she helps people. You know, Although, you know, uh, she ultimately <laughs> just becomes a housewife <laughs> and Cleans up after seven men.
0: Well, Disney casts a huge shadow. I agree. It's interesting, you know. Disney Disney's marked by you, you know always going to that fairy tale well, always doing adaptations. You know, Walt Disney the company is just terrified of uh, like doing something original. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, where, whereas all the Pixar scripts are all originals, right? You know, or they were until they started making sequels <laughs> to them. But um, yeah, I, I know it. But even the Pixar scripts are. Kind of in what you're saying, they they're just an updated version of it. There, you know, they're family oriented. They're, you know, don't talk to strangers, or you know, I mean, you can expect some messages um, that are gonna you know harmonize with traditional parenting. There's been a lot written about that, about the the princess industrial complex. I mean, when we look at, like, a Miyazaki or something, you know, they'll acknowledge that Disney casts a huge shadow over what they do. You know, it's not like they're operating in a vacuum, you know. it's not. I don't think anybody can operate in, you know, not because, you know, it's hard to get this budget together. Uh, you know, that's the problem with animation. You can't do it on a, you know, on a shoestring budget with your pals, you know, or it's really hard. So, you know, that shadow... I'm sure anytime anybody puts any movie together, an animated movie, they're they're thinking, wait, did we just make this a little too Disneyfied? I'm sure Wes Anderson's on the set of the Fantastic Mr. Fox or Isle of Dogs, saying, Ooh, "Wait a second, don't do that. That sounds like a that looks like a Disney shot." Even Disney is now sort of recognizing that
2: it needs to change with the times. Uh, right. Oh come
3: on! They just bought <laughs> Star Wars and Marvel. No, this, yeah. this is why I this is why I hate Disney is because they sort of represent the worst. Part of stu- the studio Hollywood system. I just resent the hell out of Walt Disney for the guy that he was. The, I mean, just he was a terrible person. But again, <laughs> look at the art, not the artist, right? So I can't, I can't Wait, exactly what's, jump what's up terrible and
0: down about him. Wait, no, no, you can't just leave that there. Yeah, I mean, we don't know. He, he didn't beat his wife. He, he wasn't a Nazi. What, what was bad no, no, about? No, no, just the way he treated uh, the artists at Disney. The way he oh, treated ah.
3: female oh, workers.
0: The way he treated a, yeah, like union unions.
3: Breaker. And that's, that's why true. everything
0: that's... after Dumbo looks terrible or whatever. <laughs> now, I mean, that's that's an exaggeration, but they never quite... You do
2: see sort of a resurgence of the animated feature in the 90s. And that wasn't just obviously with the Disney films, you know, um, Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast, The Lion mm-hmm. King, which, right. you know, we can all admit that those films are still great to watch, even... If you're an adult, I mean, I don't know about you, but The Lion King yeah. is, is Hamlet. You know, you don't get a very much more adult sure. story than that. Um, mm-hmm. But then, I, you know, there are films that weren't made by Disney Studios, such as um, my favourite one was Anastasia, which I believe was 20th Century Fox.
1: Was that yeah, yeah. wasn't that Don Br- Bluth's last movie? Yes, oh, Don Bluth did okay. that
2: one. Yep. Yeah, and th- and there was uh, the DreamWorks films. Uh, was it Prince of Egypt?
3: Uh,
2: right. Iron Giant? You know, oh, yes, that was well, that was, was
3: a Brad Bird. Yeah.
0: 99, I guess, yeah. Mm. Yeah, right. So, Fer- Fern Gully, or as
3: I call it, Avatar uh, 5. So good. <laughs> so good. Talking about uh, teaching kids lessons. I mean, we still don't take care of the environment the way we should, but um, I thought that was a great movie. And then Tim Curry's in it, who, you know, voices... <laughs> I, I think he voices the like the bulldozer or whatever, but yeah, it's I, I love that movie. Well, it's interesting.
0: Stars made a difference. I think one, I, it's, people don't know this, but you know, in the eight, one of the reasons '80s films didn't do well, like Land Before Time or whatever, is mm-hmm. uh, and some of those other Disney. They, they, they were always hiring, um, you know. Great act they they would pay the actors very little very little. They would just get like theater actors or whoever and, Voice uh, they, actors, Yeah, Yeah, they felt like the budget was so high already that they that they felt like you know, let's not the, the the audience isn't paying to see anybody's face So why bother you know the game changer with that was was Aladdin?
1: Yo Rugman haven't seen you in a few millennia. Give me some tassel hey. Yeah, yo, yo.
0: That was the big game changer was basically because I think people did go to that partly because of Robin Williams and it before that you didn't have parents or kids paying to see a celebrity in a movie that just or I'm sorry in a cartoon so that changed things and I think you could argue it's good and bad actually there are those old school voice actors who got very very resentful about movies like Shrek you know being you know starring Mike Myers Eddie Murphy and Cameron Diaz you know they don't they didn't like that because they had a good gig going in the 80s and the 70s in the Robin Hood days in the you know what I mean they had a good gig and so all those guys and women are out of work now you know they got shoved aside by stars Um, but I think that did put animation partly on the a-list i mean i think that was part of it that wasn't the whole story but that is a big mm. part of it you know
2: are there some certain moments from a, a, a animated film which you feel you know which is aimed at children but you feel is personally a bit too adult
3: well i i always cry at the end of beauty and the beast because of like what what he says to her that you know um you know, basically about not feeling like he deserves love, you know, and, and, you know, that plays into the part of him saving her, and it's just like, yeah, I just lose it, but, um, so that's just one that comes to mind.
1: Toy Story 3, there are two scenes, the, um, the, the one where they're in the incinerator, and Woody and Buzz are trying, they're all trying to kind of get out, and they just see that, they feel like, oh my god, they're not going to—they're not getting out of this one—and they just uh, hold each other, and it's like, oh my god, Disney, Like they're going to go down this route. Mm. Like the last minute, the uh, little alien thing save them, uh, and then the end, And then, of course, there's the end of Toy Story three. That one gets me just about every time. Uh,
2: I—I'm I, just getting a bit emotional um, <laughs> talking about. So it. I
3: never saw even the sequel or the third one. Um, I just skipped oh, spoiler,
0: them
2: but like, but... I did. Yeah, right. Sorry, no, I, spoiler, heard it but... I
3: mean, I heard it was affect very emotionally uh, affecting because uh, I like all my friends saw it. And I just I just was like, nope, I'm not.
1: <laughs>
3: but um, I I literally just side side note, I still have my little 12 um, inch Michael Keaton Batman doll from when I was like one or two. So, Good. you know, we, we hold on to those things. Yeah. I, I I was resentful of Toy
0: Story three for the first one for the first thing you mentioned, Jonathan, the, yeah. that scene with the incinerator. I mean, I remember thinking, "Wow, they're really." I mean, this is this is hardcore for a little kid. You know, hardcore. I the, the the ending I understood. I mean, they had to do that. They had to have Andy. You know, I mean, that made sense to me, and I cried too. But that, but I was, I don't know. I'm still thinking about that incinerator thing. If they went a little too far, um, but I don't know. But normally, I don't. I, I think that's a great answer to the question, actually, because I. I don't normally, I'm not usually bothered by adult themes, and I think kids can handle them, Um, like an Mm. Inside Out. I think Inside Out is definitely about the the pain of growing up, but I think kids can handle seeing it, you know? I I don't know. You know, I, I think. My kid loves it, and he's six, you know? This is a question I'd like to ask you guys is, you know, I feel like films are a little bit like I mean, all live-action films are a little bit like animation in the sense that there's a graphic novel-esque aspect to them, Mm -hmm. that they're supported. And I think that there are people who could listen to this podcast who really don't like even films? Who think of movies the way that some, the that maybe the way Rob thinks of animated films? They like literature, they like books, and they think that mo- even the best movies—and I don't know who made the best movies ever—but let's say Hitchcock, Kurosawa—they would consider those cartoons compared oh to books. Um, <laughs> now, do you think that people like that are just crazy, or what would what yes. would you say? would any I'll yes just
3: those say people that. are crazy because I'm like. Yes, like, anything, I think that movies, from a certain lens or a certain perspective, are the closest thing to literature. Um, mm-hmm. Now, maybe some but TV buffs would argue with me there, with, like, The Wire and some other things, but right. I really feel like, I mean, especially Kubrick, he almost exclusively adapted literature, uh, Right, uh, written but he had
0: to make it, but he had to trim off it, didn't he? I exactly. mean, he had to, you know, he had to... Sh- You know, fit that wine into a two-hour bottle, if you will. I mean, you know what I
1: mean.
3: Yeah, this is the crux of like what I believe, though, about almost believe about cinema that I really love is that it's that it almost visually. You know what I'm saying? If it was only visual, like that is like what you are trying to sort of express. Almost this uh, strictly visual and maybe this is making an argument for animated films because again that's you you know so Uh you know exactly so yeah i'm just really subjective about what i like is what it comes down to that's what i mean
0: it's like it's you're almost angel dancing on the head of a pin i think because you're making very shaded you know i think there would be people i my dad was kind of one of those snobs
3: yeah Yeah. and daniel i want to say real quick um you know my favorite movies uh especially of the 70s have a very um pulp you know kind of vision i mean i almost think of them as graphic novels because of how visually interesting they are and then you know you fast forward 20 years to quentin tarantino and it's just like yeah like you can see in his work where he got you know so many of those ideas or whatever but the images act as a sort of you know like this perpetual action, which is kind of what animation is, and so again, it's it's very interesting how really how close my own tastes are to it. You know, just hearing All hearing right. you know Jonathan and you and and B talk about it, and it's like, okay, maybe maybe I actually have more of an interest than I have let on. Well, like you said, the Batman.
0: What is the movie from the '80s, the Batman Mask of the Sorry '94, no. '94, yeah. Oh, from
1: 90s. Mask of the Phantasm.
0: Yeah. Right, right, because that's, I mean, there are, there, the fans of that are also fans who will tell you that a graphic novel can, you know, in, in comic book form, can tell as profound a story as anything Shakespeare ever wrote, or anything. Well, just, Watchmen. I mean, Watchmen, I mean, did like- Watchmen Right, Watchmen is another example of that, you know, and maybe those people aren't completely off, I mean, I don't know, you know, because you could argue that film is simplified anyway, you're gonna get to the themes, you're gonna get, you know, anyway, yeah. so...
2: Excuse me? Are you looking at me? Did you rub my lamp? In terms of animation, I feel like it's it doesn't get enough credit because you can do so much more with animation than you can do in live action. You know, um, I just think certain films where you... Let's take Aladdin, for example. Can you get the same movement of the carpet can you get the same sort of scale of you know when he comes into town and he's singing about you know that song that you know what here comes the prince
0: we're gonna find out because there's gonna be a live action aladdin i mean disney's filming it if they haven't already you know what i mean just like they made a live action cinderella and a live action
2: just say like the beauty and the beast film that was released last year really did not work for me because right the animation managed to do so much more and tell the story in such an effective way that when it came round to doing the live act, like, the Be Your Guest song did not hold up to the actual animated version of the song at all. They mm-hmm. just couldn't it. No, we really it. didn't now. And I think that's what is so special about animated films is that, you know, we were saying, take, for example, Watchmen you know that could ease that should be animated for adults on the big screen and as much as I love the the film version of it I can't help but think they could have done it animated and it would have been had more of an impact because oh no
3: i'm sorry i just can't agree with that it's, the is <laughs> so stylized it's li- i mean but again I'm, it... I'm stepping over my argument but it's it's like it already is animated you know what i'm well, saying like well, the, the well, comedian well, getting well, thrown through well, the glass and like you just see all the pieces come- i'm sorry i just i that movie visually i love too much just to be like yeah it would be better saying, animated yeah
2: but you're saying it's already <laughs> animated you know, pretty much already. So why why yeah. not go all the way and, and do an animated one that is the same style as the graphic novel, you know? Uh, well, they already
3: have the motion comic. They literally came out with, like, the motion comic, which is, like, a literally a, a visual adaptation of the written graphic novel. So, I, I mean, I guess if I'm taking what you're saying, if if they did it in a specific animated way, yeah, I would be interested to see what that looks like. But I don't, just knowing what those two finished products are, I, I really just, I I think that it's, it's, it was a well done movie, at least from a aesthetic or visual standpoint.
2: Well, I mean, are there certain films that we feel could be, you know, if there were some films that were made to be animated, you know, from, you know, Hmm. say, take certain films from, Scorsese or you know whoever Tarantino and had those animated would they would they have still been a success you know just because it's animated doesn't mean it that it wouldn't be as good
3: you know no you're like, right because um he used he, Quentin Tarantino used it in Kill Bill he used that um that animate the anime scene to show Oren's uh you know revenge on her father's killer and everything so. I mean, right there, I mean, that's something that, like, I should probably have issues with that. But I don't, because I think Kill Bill is actually this kind of great style, stylized masterpiece, you know, uh, mashup of genres. But
2: And I think as well, in terms of uh, why animated films are so effective, in my personal opinion, is because mm-hmm. they can take us to uh, certain places that can't be accessible. I've just watched The Breadwinner, which I highly hmm. recommend and to in order to tell that story which is obviously quite a hard story to tell you know being uh i believe they're in iran and it's you know the taliban uh you wouldn't be able to effectively tell that story uh, in a way that would be safe for a crew to go over there and a cast and so on so um I, i find it quite Annoying in a way when people are quick to dismiss animated films because I think no offence Rob it baffles me is probably the better way of putting it animated films can tell effective story and you know they do have this way of transporting us to worlds that I don't think would
3: a uh, non animate you know non Don Quixote you know when I when I sort of go on a tirade against them it's not against all of those wonderful artists and technicians because they, they do a wonderful job. Um, but I think even in that in that way, those movies are slightly animated because, like you just said, those are sort of really difficult worlds to create without that kind of technology.
2: Well, is there any, any sort of films that aren't aimed at children now, are clearly a- aimed at adults or are animated that you guys want to rec- recommend just before we sort of wrap everything up?
1: Oh, uh, Ghost in the Shell is probably the big, the, the one I'd recommend. That one just feels like the very quote. If Blade Runner were an animated movie, that it would probably look like that, like that. Mm-hmm. And I just I know, find the themes of uh, what happens when mankind mankind builds machines and those machines become sentient and they learn how to feel. What about you, Daniel?
2: Was there a an uh, animated <laughs> well, film that's clearly aimed at adults that you would recommend to people who don't want to watch anything that's more sort of family-friendly.
0: Sure, Waltz with Bashir, the animated documentary. I just Before we wrap up, I, I read this book called um, Understanding Animation by Paul Wells, and you know one, so he tries to explain what's good about animation. I just wanted to just pop out one of his mm-hmm. quotes he mentions. I'll just keep, okay, quote. Animation intrinsically interrogates the phenomena it represents and offers new and alternative perspectives and knowledge. Unquote. The reason I mention that is that I think you want the kind of movie that you're ready to sort of for it to be either self-reflexive or sort of surreal or dreamlike. You want, you know, you don't just want to see um Something that doesn 't kind of bring up those issues um, or or doesn 't work with them, I mean I know i 've tried to sit through like some Star Wars cartoons, and it sort of diminishes the franchise in some weird way to watch them as cartoons i don 't know why, but it just makes it seem less i don 't'm not even sure why and i and i like i wouldn 't want to watch like a rock concert in uh in animated form like if they just rotoscoped it because I think what are you getting out of that? Nothing you know you you need something you want it to be a little bit sort of aware of its own reflexivity and what it could be doing and being able to sort of shine a new light on things. I think many of the movies we've mentioned, like A Waking Life, you know, can do that. And I think that when animation does that, I think that's great. I think that's that's what we hope for. Yeah, when you do things that you couldn't otherwise, or it would be, like you said, be like, you know, movies that travel the world. I remember when I was watching Monsters Incorporated the first time, uh, I was thinking, you know, one reason this is a great story to do as a cartoon is that you could never put a real three-year-old through all this. You know, like a th- <laughs> Star movie is three. I mean, yeah, I know they can kind of do it in these days with, well, it was harder 15 years ago when they made it. Nowadays, yeah, you could kind of do... You know, I mean, it's a good point that animation I'm glad Rob brought up that the Marble movies and the fact that, you know, animation is bleeding over into everything in a way. You know, everybody's a synthespian. Everybody's, you know, playing roles that are half CG, you know, everybody's taking after Andy Serkis. Uh, mm. You know, he's, he's the trailblazer in that regard. You know, now everybody wants to do what he did in, as Gollum, you know. Um, I, you know, th- those are the kinds of cartoons that we can respond to, and they don't have to be cartoonish. I mean, when we think of the word cartoonish, we think of a performance like, say, Billy Zane's in Titanic, and that's too bad. You know, that I, it diminishes all of cartoons. Forget about Titanic. It just diminishes all of cartoons. Um, and so let's not think that way. Let's, let's resolve, just like we don't say, hey, he throws like a girl. Let's yeah. also resolve, let's walk away from this podcast and not call things cartoonish anymore. All right, that's, yeah. that's my,
3: you that's know, my speech. Yeah, there is a movie from my childhood that, I, that is probably for kids. It is a silent movie. It is a silent animated movie called The Ooh. Snowman. Um, I don't know if it's familiar to anybody, but I yes. think no. it's in the U.K. originally. I don't know And, it. oh, my God, it makes me cry every time. And my mom loves mm. snowmen. Like, she has, like, in my house between January and March, there's no less than 75 snowmen around the house. Anyway, um, wow. but that movie is so profoundly affecting, and there and it has music to it that is, like, melancholic. Yeah. and it's Sorry, beautiful yeah saying. no no it's beautiful it's a
2: beautiful movie i've been from the uk i know it really well okay. because it's on all yeah. the time over here at christmas yeah and um the you know the actual song the we're walking in the air song um mm-hmm. was number one for ages and it's it's beautiful, Rob's right. Yeah,
3: there are definitely exceptions to um, something. You know, some things I've said definitely about uh, preferring live-action movies and you know directors uh, and and everything. But um, no, there's there's certainly as, as we we discovered on this podcast, there's many. <laughs> animated films that are either close to me or or have meant a lot to me through you know throughout my life so
2: well i would um recommend uh the breadwinner which is out now uh that is beautiful and just i will make you cry i would also recommend the grave of the fireflies and another animated film from japan is perfect blue which is mm. very much about um f- obsessive fandom um reality sort of uh avatars and you know uh, social media before there was social media so yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a very adult film it has adult themes it's you know it's quite shocking in places there's a lot of violence and um you know it's a story that i don't think you could tell very well as a live action movie so um i would recommend those three for sure bob but uh, as as discussed, you know, I, I am still all, and always will be a fan of animated films, and <clears> nothing will change my mind about that. So.
1: To me, uh, if the story is working and if the characters are involving, and if the artistic imagination is there and if the eye is there, then those other things simply become stylistic details that become less important as the film goes on. You know, you're not looking at the whole film just on the basis... Um, of uh, some abstract idea of technical excellence. You're looking at it in terms of its excellence as art. And art doesn't always depend upon how many frames a second or whether this was done or whether that was done. It depends upon how it makes you feel.
0: Oh, c'est super!
2: چشمو نراشنگت لونی کرده شاتمو های سیاحت
0: خونی کرده بهت چشمون سیاحت
2: Animated podcast.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, keep that in. Very oh, clever.